Hello everybody and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast where this week we talk about new pieces of technology, a couple of more days from Iceland, and the latest Sony press conference. That's right, I regale everybody with days three and four of my Iceland adventure. I like parceling it out because it's fun to you know talk about those stories and reminisce on the, the times long gone. Even though it was only two weeks ago, I was in Iceland. Um, we also talk about uh, my brand new over-the-ear headphones that I've acquired, the Razer Opus headphones, and I present my review of those. Uh, I talk about Sony's most recent press conference, which was held on September 9th, and the trailers and games that most excited me. And I also review the most recent Scooby-Doo movie, Scoob, um, which came out a couple of years ago. But uh, if you like the Going Up Cast and wish to support the Going Up Cast, please feel free to visit patreon.com forward slash going up cast, where you can become a patron and get access to things like my movie commentary tracks and some original exclusive YouTube shows that I've done as well. We did like a Pokemon Nuzlocke. I played Temtem for a little bit. I've got more stuff on the way. Um, but if you want to just see me dick around in games like Guild Wars 2, feel free to follow me on Twitch at twitch.cv forward slash going up cast. I will be doing that hopefully more. Um, I've been doing it a lot on the weekends. Um, I'm probably going to do a little bit more this week. Very intermediate, or inter, um, not intermediate, very intermittent streaming times. There's no schedule because my life is very unplannable. Um, so you're definitely going to want to follow uh, Twitch in order to know when I go live uh, to be able to follow those fun adventures. Outside of that, Things are good. Uh, we've started reading Midnight Sun as the current audiobook, and it is a long book, so it will be us be with us for a while. So I hope you guys are ready for more fantastic adventures of Edward being a horrible person and Bella not realizing it. Or maybe she does realize it and doesn't care, which is arguably worse. Uh, but I hope you're all doing well, and that's enough prattling out of me. Let's get into the podcast. So I have a list of movies on my uh, various streaming services that I'm trying to get through, like, basically one at a time, because how else are you supposed to watch a movie? And um, the other day, I finally got around to watching Scoob! That's the only appropriate way to pronounce it, because it's got an exclamation point at the end of it, so it's Scoob! Um, which was the latest, and I say latest, it's been a, a while, it's like a couple years old at this point, but... Anyway, Scoob came from Warner Animated Group, and it is their ascent. I believe the original intention of this was a reboot of not only Scooby-Doo, but uh, like the whole Hanna-Barbera boomerang family of cartoons. In fact, outside of Scooby-Doo, five like old school Hanna-Barbera characters are in this fucking movie. Blue Falcon, Dino Mutt, uh, Dick Dastardly, Muttley, and uh, Captain Caveman all make appearances in this movie. And even like the end credit scene shows the Scooby-Doo gang meeting like uh, Johnny Quest's dad in Quest Labs. You see uh, like Jabberwock, um, or Jabberjaw rather, uh, and like a, a whole medley of other people. What the fuck did I just do? That's weird. How do I, hold on. How do I make this go away? There we go. Um... But yeah, you see a whole bunch of them. And speaking as someone who, when they were homesick, put on Boomerang for hours. I love the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. However, I now associate Hanna-Barbera with, like, headaches. Because I never drank, like, enough fluids when I was sick. Um, surprise. And so I would always have, like, a low-lying headache watching those things. Or it may have been, like, the six or seven hours of constant TV... That could have done it too, but in any case, that's what that's where my head goes when I think of, of Boomerang. Um, is just the constant headaches. Um, but yeah, I I loved you know Scooby Doo, where are you and like all that shit, like the like the kind of beatnik big flowers of the of the seventies with with Scooby Doo, Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? Need some work to do now. Like, all that shit. Come on, Scooby-Doo. I love it. Um, so when I saw that in this movie, they had 
a, a they shot for shot recreated that theme song to have as their montage of mystery adventuring. Oh my god. I'm saying they're being like, oh my god, it's it's like it's the exact same. You can put them side by side. They did their fucking homework on that, and I was so happy to see that. It was awesome. So shit like that, I thought they did a wonderful job. The sound effects were classic Scooby-Doo, like old school Foley sound effects, like boings and like the the bongo rung where they're like their feet are skidding out and it's just like and it's just like that kind of shit and the xylophones and all that. Oh my god. So the sound effects were really good. The animation's pretty good. Um, the voice performances were also fine. Um, in fact, the entire movie was pretty good um, in all seriousness. The only thing I would have gotten rid of was like the unnecessary drama between Shaggy and Scooby like not being friends because he takes the collar off. Like, how fragile is your fucking relationship that if Scooby takes off his collar for even a second, Shaggy goes, Well, I guess we're not, like, friends anymore, man. Just fucking, come on, Shaggy. I get it. Scooby was, like, your first friend, which is a thing in and of itself. Um, but, like, the, like, the rest, like, that's the only bit of drama in the movie outside of, like, villain shit. And it just, it feels weird in this movie because it, it only exists in a couple of scenes and the movie didn't really earn it, you know? Um, and it was unnecessary. It didn't need to be there. The movie would have been better if it wasn't there. But because movies like this, I, it's almost like a written script where it has to have something like that. And it really feels like it was added later in. Like, like the director was like, I don't need this. And then the production staff or whatever was like, no, we got to have it. So they like shoehorned it in. Um, so yeah, that bit was, wasn't great. The references are really solid um, to old school Stubio stuff. Um, if this was the start of like a franchise of Hanna-Barbera movies, I think I'd be all over that. Because to me, this movie showed that it understands where it comes from and does enough of the old school original stuff and some new stuff to kind of bridge that gap. Some people will disagree with me and be like, it was pandering to the older audiences. Um, but you kind of have to because when you're talking about characters that don't really exist anymore, you gotta pander to the older audiences who actually remember who these fucking characters are, right? Kids these days aren't gonna know who fucking Jabberjaw is and they're not gonna care. They got their own, they got their Spongebobs and crap. They don't give a fuck who Jabberjaw is. So if you're going to make a Jabberjaw movie, you gotta make it for the adults who fucking remember who the goddamn fuck Jabberjaw is. Or Grape Ape. Or Mr. Magoo. Or any of those fucking characters. So that's, that's how you do it. You, you, you advertise to the grown-ups so they bring their kids to the movies and go, you gotta love this guy. His name's Jabberjaw. Get in the car. So, yeah, Scoob was pretty good. As a as a old school Scooby-Doo fan from when I was a kid, um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I felt like it did a it did a really good job and the cast was really solid and yeah, I would recommend it, but only if you're a Scooby-Doo fan, pretty much. I don't think there's much here for you if you don't know the old school stuff. Just flat out. If you never saw the original Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo stuff, from like the 70s, there's nothing for you here because it is, it panders pretty hard. I appreciate the pandering, but if you're not familiar, there's, it's just gonna go, it might not go over your head. I'm sure you'll understand like that was probably a reference to the old school stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my review on it. I, I would check it out if you, if you got time, but I mean, there are better movies. It's just, if you want something fairly lighthearted and dumb fun that's just reminds you of simpler times, then Scoob will probably get that done. Let's move on to the next thing, the podcast. Recently, I've been trying to stream a lot more, twitch.tv forward slash going upcast, but one of the things that was hanging me up was that my over-the-ear headphones was branded with a less-than-reputable company nowadays. Uh, Activision Blizzard. I had Overwatch branded headphones, and since Activision Blizzard turned out to be, like, the worst company, um, for a lot of reasons, I've decided to kind of distance myself away from that. 
But then that arose the question, well, not really the question, more the need. I needed headphones that I could wear on stream that were not immediately obvious to belong to any one company. So I went where I always go uh, when it comes to buying new computer paraphernalia, and that was Razer. Um, I have a Razer keyboard and mouse. Um, I've had keyboard mice since college. Um, my Razer keyboard is phenomenal, and I don't think I'll be replacing it anytime soon unless it literally stops working, which it shows no sign of. And so I was like, I'll take a look at what they got for headphones. But if you know anything about Razer, you know they love their own badging and they love the color green. And I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't fix the problem. I'm still representing a company, you know? Um, even if it is Razer, who I buy from fairly constantly. I'm not sponsored by Razer, I just want to point that out. I just, I just enjoy their products. Um, and I think their logo is really cool. Um, but that's not what I was after. I wanted headphones I could wear pretty much anywhere, like out in public, on stream, um, that not only were good headphones, but were unobtrusive. That had like almost no corporate badging whatsoever on it. And that's when I saw Razer has this fairly small uh, aspect of its business where it basically is like tech, not gaming tech, not flashy tech, just like utilitarian, I don't want to say utilitarian because that makes it, that's a bad connotation, but it's like simple, uh, minimalist for everyday use for lifestyle brands, you know. And so I saw this pair of Razer headphones called the Razer Opus, O-P-U-S headphones. Uh, not inexpensive. These pretty bad boys cost me a cool $200. Um, things that caught my eye with these headphones uh, before I purchased them was noise canceling because I've never had a pair of noise canceling headphones. Um, the design I thought was really slick. They're just black. It does say Razer on the side and like silver lettering, but it's very small and you can't see it on stream because of where it's located on the headphones. You just can't see it at all. And there's also a little THX badging on the side, which I actually really love because it reminds me of movies and I love movies. Um... But yeah, I thought these these looked really cool. And I saw that there was this thing where it's like, if you're wearing headphones and actively listening to music and then you take the earpieces off, it will automatically pause the song as it de like detects the the your ear leaving the cup. And I was like, that's nifty. Um, and so I got them. And then a couple of days later, they showed up at my house and that's basically what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna talk about my new headphones and review them a little bit. So the first thing I've noticed is that uh, if you wear them for an extended period of time in the same spot, it does kind of <coughs> cause a little bit of um, like head pain after a while. I don't think that's a fault of the headphones. I think that's a fault of me wearing them for no less than like 17 hours on one day. Um, and as long as you like take a second to like readjust them every now and then, just so they're not sitting in the same spot all day, then you're fine. Um, they're smaller than I expected. Like the earpieces themselves basically just cover my ears and then that's it. There's nothing like extra about them, which is great because it fits in this awesome carrying case that comes with the headphones. Um, the noise canceling is actually pretty good. Uh, my problem is that I primarily used it in quiet environments, so it sounds the same, but like um, I was wearing them noise canceling when I turned my car on um, just to test it and I couldn't hear the car running with the headphones on noise canceling so they do work um i thought that was pretty good the the lifting of the earpieces to pause and play the music when you put the earpieces back on works occasionally you basically just need to give the headphones a little bit to recognize that the ears are missing and then turn the headphone like cups in such a way that it's not pressed against your neck because it will think your neck is your ear and continue to play the music so you just need to have the earpieces like up facing the sky and then they won't do that anymore. The buttons are very intuitively placed. Uh, for me, it's on the right earpiece, like volume up and down, on and off. It does come with an aux cord port. So if you wanted to wire in, you can, which is good because I don't have a Bluetooth chip for my computer. So when I stream, I have these auxiliary corded into my speakers. Um, just like I did with my old headphones. They're very comfortable. The earpieces are good and they're nice and soft. The sound quality out of these bad boys is surround sound and it's excellent. The THX, like movie quality sound that you get out of these is, it's not just badging. They do sound good. Like 
I was I was experiencing sound things whilst I was playing uh, Guild Wars 2, which is like my game of choice right now. Um, like a bird would fly past my head and I would hear the bird like caw and flap behind my head and then it zipped past my ear and like flew past me like absolute total sound immersion. Um, they are truly phenomenal headphones and I'm now just gonna basically always have them with me. You know, like if I'm out in public, I'll have my headphones and if I'm out at like work, I'll have my headphones, even if it's just like having them around my, my shoulders, just like at the ready, I can just put these headphones on, turn them on, hit play on the, the headphones themselves and do that. 25-ish hours of battery life on these bad boys, but I basically plug them in every night before I go to bed so they're like fully charged in the morning just like my phone. Um, so that's never going to be an issue. Uh, but they are they are really good. And the carrying case is super convenient. And it even has an outline on the bottom of the carrying case to show you how to fold up your headphones properly so they fit in the carrying case, which I was like, that's a nice touch. I very much appreciate that. So yes, I'm very pleased with these headphones. I would recommend them if you're in the, the market for like new, very high quality headphones that are very minimalist in its design. That's what I was really after. I wanted headphones that would like go with anything that I could wear anywhere and not look like I was wearing a gaming headset when I was out. There is no, there, there is a little mic, but it's not like one of those extendo ones. But since I have like a full um, mic set up with like a boom arm and all that shit, I don't really need a microphone on my headset. So there you go. I hope that was helpful. Um, if you were in the market for new headphones, I would recommend them. Again, not sponsored by Razer, but I've enjoyed every Razer item I've, I've ever gotten. The Razer Death Adder 2013 my, uh, mouse I had lasted like eight years before it finally kicked the bucket. So Razer makes high quality crap. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. A few days ago, Sony was like, hey, you guys want to talk some games? And me being an owner of a PlayStation 5 with nothing to do with it, I'm sitting there like begging Sony to release things so I can do stuff with it. Um, I'm just going to real briefly talk about the games that I thought were interesting. Uh, the fact that Insomniac is working on not only Spider-Man 2, which seems to be bringing in Venom, voiced by Tony Todd. Yes. Um, and possibly Electro, based on the lightning from the beginning of the trailer. And maybe even Craven the Hunter, based on the monologue? I'm not entirely sure. But... I might, I might anger a few diehard Spider-Man fans. Venom cannot carry a 40-hour game by himself. Venom's not that interesting. Venom's really cool. Don't get me wrong. I love Venom. You need more than Venom in a game like this. Venom's a final boss. Venom doesn't have, like, a crew, you know? You need, like, gangs and waves of minions in a Spider-Man game, and Venom doesn't provide that. So, Venom's just like a, a really good antagonist, but he, he's just one entity. Well, two people, one entity. Anyway, um, so yeah, having having people like Craven the Hunter and Electro be part of the game, I think. Or Shocker, it might have been Shocker even. Who knows? Who the fuck knows? But Spider-Man has such a complex rogues gallery that we barely touched on in the first movie, or first game. In fact, most of that game spent time with fucking Mr. Negative or whatever, who until that Spider-Man game, I had never heard of. So, they really need to dive into some other Spider-Man villains. Um, and I want co-op. Give, give me Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Miles Morales co-op, because you can't have both of them in that game without some, some co-op. I would fucking kill for that. So, yeah, I'm really excited for that. And they got the Wolverine game. We know nothing about it right now, but I can already see Wolverine's combat in my head, and I'm like, that looks and feels super smart for this fast-flowing Arkham Asylum, like, zipping around. You know, Wolverine will zip over and, like, shink, and he'll just do all that stuff. Oh, man. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, we got more God of War 2, um, much like uh, some other, like... God of War, like, me getting God of War Ragnarok is already a foregone conclusion, so seeing stuff about it, more specifically now, is unnecessary because it's like, I'm already gonna get the game. This just makes it look like I was already sold on it. You didn't need to do this for my benefit. It's nice to see. I'm still gonna get it. Like, you haven't changed my mind. Uh, so that was pretty cool. There was... Was there anything else that I really cared about? 
Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo got some stuff. Deathloop got some stuff, but I don't really care about those games. I feel like I'm missing something. What was it? Alan Wake is getting a remaster, but I'm like, meh. Oh, KOTOR! Um, yeah, Knights of the Old Republic, the Star Wars game. Started as an Xbox exclusive, eventually went to PC uh, later on, and is now a PlayStation exclusive, which is a really interesting move. Um, I imagine many KOTOR fans are pretty peeved about that. I never really played Knights of the Old Republic, and when I tried to, the game itself confused me and how it was played, and so I stopped playing it. It, like, if they if they truly just remake it, and it's the exact same as it was with nicer graphics, there's a pretty decent chance I'm not going to get it because I just didn't like how the game itself played. But if they turn it into, like, Final Fantasy 15 style combat with Star Wars, I'll be more intrigued. So, very much like, we'll see how this goes. Uh, but I'm I'm not gonna live and die, based on uh, based on Kotor. So, but yeah, basically, come like March of next year, I'll have a couple of things to play on the PlayStation Five. Um, in fact, like Keen on the Bridge of Spirits comes out at the end of the month. Um, but since I've already told my circle of friends and family, I'm not buying myself anything uh, from now until the end of the year because apparently I'm a hard person to shop for for the holidays because I buy crap for myself all the time. So I can't, I can't do that anymore. Um, instead, what I'm doing is I'm just texting everybody being like, here's a great idea, um, which is also kind of fun because it's like I'm keeping a list, right, of, of everything that I want that I'm not buying for myself right now. So come the holidays, you know, I, I'm, I'm making sure I'm not informing people of the same idea and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, the problem is, is like I want so much crap um, that no amount of people will, will be able to acquire everything that I desire. And so I'll just have to get everything afterwards. God, this is such first world problems. But Sony had a couple of games that definitely made me set up and pay attention. And just like God of War, there were games I was probably going to get, even if there was never any advertising on it. Spider-Man, I'm really excited about. Wolverine, I'm really excited about. Those sorts of games, I am all over. Give me Elden Ring. Give me your poor, your tired, your huddle masses. Thank you, Sony, for the trailers. Keep up the good work. Keep making games. Where's my VR2 headset? I want that to get back in the dev hold, Sony. That's not actually a podcast. Y'all ready for some more Iceland stories? So, I I had some foresight on, on some stuff. Um, I actually wrote down what we did in Iceland. Um... And that makes it a lot easier to remember what I did on each day. Um, but we're about to talk about my third day in Iceland. In case you're keeping track at home, this is Monday. Uh, so we started a little later that day. Uh, I think we slept into like nine-ish. Um, and we decided to visit the western side of Iceland. If you were to look up a map of Iceland, which I'm about to do right now so I can describe this to you. Just type in like Iceland map. Right? If you look at the left-hand side of the country, you'll see that Iceland, um, the coast of it, is basically broken up into three, like, peninsulas. There's the southernmost peninsula, which is where the city of Reykjavik is, and that's where the airplane lands. That's also where the Blue Lagoon World Wonder is. Um, we spent this next day visiting the second, the middle peninsula of the Western Fjordlands. Uh, so that is where the focus of our story takes place. Um, it took, like... Gosh, let's say three hours of driving to get up there. Um, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure we had breakfast at, at the, the house. Our breakfasts were basically eggs uh, with prosciutto, um, toast, and um, uh, yogurt. I bought some some like raspberry skier yogurt for us to have in the mornings. Which I absolutely love. And since I've come home from Iceland, I've consistently gotten like cups of yogurt, of skier yogurt from um, a fancy grocery store near me. And it's, it reminds me of all the fun I had in Iceland. Anyway, um, we, we drove up there and we actually experienced um, a tunnel on our way, like 
to this location. Uh, if you are to look between the the like on on the map, there is a straight line on like the one um, that goes across some water. That's a tunnel. Um, that that tunnel is five kilometers or it might have been six kilometers. Um, it's a pretty long tunnel, but it goes right under the water, which was really cool. We didn't know it was a tunnel when we set out, and it was like we went underground, and it was very awesome. Uh, but we eventually find this place uh, that is a, like a bridge over this awesome, super wide, fairly low waterfall, uh, which we later find out is called Trolls Fall. Um, and right up the street of it was a hotel. And what made us pull off was this enormous sculpture of a troll head. And that's when we started to see things on the hillside. Um, and it turns out that the, the hotel is troll-themed to be next to the troll falls um and all over the hillside are these little signs and activities that take you on the troll hike um and as we go through it we find out that essentially what happened was the people who built the hotel wrote some stories about trolls and then built this hike around their own story about trolls and other folktales around around like the the culture of Iceland um, and there are there were various troll games like one was uh, there was a, a soccer goal with uh, a wooden painting of a troll in front of it and then like holes you had to kick the ball through um, there was another one where you had to throw the, the balls like handball through the holes of a second troll um, there was a giant drum there was a tiny troll house and then there was the the most difficult one of all which was a log painted candy cat candy stripes like red white red white um that was suspended off of two chains one chain was fairly short and the other one was very long so that end of the log would like move a lot more and basically what you had to do is you had to stand up and like walk down the log and the further you went the more points you got uh my brother beat me handily on that he got five i was only ever to make it to four um even after trying like five or six times i could never get it to five so he he did he did win more uh more troll games than i did so he's the troll king um but it was very cool it was this neat little i don't want to say tourist trap um it, it was more like a themed resort because it's like people were staying there um and one of the signs said that like the books that the the whole hike and the whole experience was based on were available for purchase at the reception. Um, and so when we're done going to the bathroom, I find the books. Um, and it's very common in Iceland for when you see a book, for that book to be available in multiple languages. And there's like a little flag that tells you which language the book is written in. Um, so I actually bought like the last copy, the last English copy of um, one of the books. Um, and uh, there, was, there were more copies of the second one. So there are two books there. Um, and I bought them both because, A, are you kidding? Like, the, the fact that those books were written and then, like, this whole thing was constructed, I thought it was really cool and super smart uh, to do that. Um, I, I, haven't, I haven't read the books yet, so I don't even know if they're any good or not. But the sheer creativity of tying all this stuff together impressed me, so I wanted to buy it just for that. And as I'm checking out the, um, the individual behind the register... Uh, asks me if I want them signed. And I was like, sure. Uh, and she goes around to this back room uh, and talks uh, quietly for a little bit. And then she comes back with the author of the books. Um, I don't know if he owns and operates the, the whole building or, or what the deal is. But clearly he's part of this because he was just there. Like not as like a special event thing. He He's just there. Um, and he came out and he signed the books. Um, he signed them in uh, like Icelandic and um, he translated it for me. And he was like, uh, it basically says to Andrew, um, like troll hello or something like that. And then he signed his name. So I will probably do audiobook readings of these books at some point because it's too cute not to. Um, but that was just a super fun experience. And I got a little bag that was like a special troll bag and got the books and then we got back in the road um it was it was very very cool um sorry let me take a look okay uh some other things that i uh 
wrote down, apparently sorp is the Icelandic word for garbage. So enjoy that. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Okay. So um, we were attempting to visit a glacier. And if you look at that map of... um, uh, Where the fuck were we actually? Hold on, let me, let me look this up. Okay, that's... That's where that is. So I'm just double checking here. Um, okay. So, yeah, we, we went out to that middle peninsula. We didn't go very far into it. Um, and then we decided to try and visit the, the glacier. If you look at the map of Iceland, there's a very large white spot on the left-hand side of the map, kind of in the middle. We were trying to visit that glacier. Um, and that's when I found out that a lot of things in Iceland, waterfalls, glaciers, caves are privately owned, including that glacier. That large white glacier is owned by an individual who is in charge of like all the tours and, and groups visiting the glacier. You can't legally visit this glacier because it's private property. And the government of Iceland even tried to get control of this glacier from that individual and they lost in court because this dude owned it, which I thought was fascinating. Um, that's also why you'll find if you go to Iceland that different natural wonders will have different protocols. Some charge for parking, others don't, and that's because they're owned and operated by different individuals. So there you go. In any case, we couldn't make it to the glacier. However, we did see signs everywhere for something that was mysteriously called the cave. And we were intrigued because it's like, well, what is the cave? And so we followed the signs. Um, also, Iceland has very strict rules about what kinds of cars can drive on what kinds of roads. You'll see several signs all over the place that will specifically say rental cars cannot drive here. Um, and it'll show like, you basically need like all wheel drive with like a foot and a half of clearance in order to really do Iceland safely. Um, and so basically anytime we saw like a gravel road, our car wasn't built for that, so we had to turn around. But we followed the signs to this cave because the roads we were on were fine. Um, and it's this little building in the middle of this enormous lava field. We didn't know that's what it was beforehand. We'd been seeing these, these massive fields all over the place where it's like super rocky and uneven and pointy and there's like moss and lichen everywhere and these things would stretch on for miles. They were enormous. I'd never seen topography like it. I was just like, what am I even looking at? I don't understand it. I now know that those are lava fields and Iceland is covered in them. Absolutely covered in them. Completely uninhabitable. Like the, the ground is so rocky and misshapen and uneven. Like you would have to obliterate it in order to like build something on it. And so that's one of the contributing factors of why Iceland is very empty. Like two thirds of all people live near Reykjavik. That is so fucking true. The vast majority of Iceland is just gorgeous, empty landscapes. Just all of this space with nothing in it. Mostly because, hey, there's not enough people to need it, but it's like you can't even build on it because it's fucking like horrible land. It's just like nothing grows there except moss and lichen. You can't put anything on there. There's no trees. It's just basalt and like cooled lava from thousands of years ago. And then we find out that this is one of the one of those caves is essentially a giant lava tube that was discovered uh, several years ago. Um, and once again, it's privately owned. Uh, the tours occurred on the hour every hour. Uh, and so naturally we showed up at 2.05, about five minutes after the tour just left. And so the next tour was at three. So my brother and I deliberated and we decided to go for it, but we had some time to kill. So we went back down the road the way we had come because we we ended up driving past some, um, some waterfalls in order to get here. Uh, did I write down the name of that waterfall? Uh, no, not so much. Um, but yeah, we, we, we drove back the way we had come to check out some waterfalls, uh, which were gorgeous. I can't even tell you what waterfalls they were. It may have been this one. No, 
Is it this one? No. I don't know. I don't know what the waterfall was. Um, is it this one? There it is. Barnarfasar. Uh, bar Barnarfasar. Um, we went back and saw that waterfall, uh, which is just down the road from where the cave is. And what's neat about that waterfall is that the water looks like it's just bleeding out of the walls. And what it's actually doing is it's leaving the lava tubes that litter this field, which I thought was very cool. The fact that there was enough water to basically create waterfalls, very consistent, powerful waterfalls that like go through a very narrow passage of volcanic rock and bleed out of the ground. It was very neat. So we went back and we got pictures of that, but we had just enough time to basically sprint back get pictures, hop back in the car, and sprint back to the cave. And the cave, like if you Google the cave, you'll find it, but it's specifically Vidgilmir, which is V-I-D-G-E-L-M-I-R, Vidgilmir. Um, it is the largest lava tube cave by volume. I don't know how they measure that, but it is. Uh, and you get this little helmet. Our tour guide was a first year geology student out of the University of Bristol, and she was phenomenal. Uh, never got her name, but she she did a great job. Uh, and we we go into the cave, and uh, I've written down some, some fun facts here. Uh, the cave uh, is basalt. It is primarily basalt. Most of Iceland is basalt. Um, 35 kilometer, it was formed from a 35 kilometer lava flow around 900 AD. The cave is zero degrees Celsius, about 32 degrees. I had a sweater. Um, it wasn't it wasn't too cold, to be perfectly honest with you, but it I, it was the coldest in that cave that we experienced in Iceland. But what's interesting is that that temperature holds steady, like throughout the year. You know, even in the dead of winter, it'll still be zero degrees 32 because of geological stuff or whatever. Um, my glasses kept fogging up. Because even though it was zero degrees, it was like 100% humidity. Like, you could see the water droplets moving through the air. The air was saturated with with moisture. And so, every time I would take, like, a step forward, all the water would just stick to my glasses and would fog them up. And so, for big portions of this cave, I didn't have my glasses on. Which meant, for big portions of this cave, the pictures I took were shitty. Um, anyway... We, we go through and we talk about the different kinds of lava, like the Ahoy Hoy lava and the, um, all that different kinds of stuff. Apparently, almost all the words for lava come from Hawaii, which makes sense. Um, there was some iron deposits. There were some sulfur deposits, which caused different color variations. And then there was the, these pockets of sparkly things, which I thought was like some sort of like quartz crystal or something like that. Turned out to be a type of bacteria that is so unusual and so uncommon on our world that the Icelandic Space Agency studies that bacteria because they believe that bacteria will be not too dissimilar from the type of bacteria we may encounter in space. So I was like, that's really cool. Should we be in here? Um, obviously I'm fine. At least I think I'm fine. But... Honestly, it glowed like it was made out of crystals or gemstones, but it was bacteria. So it was actually glowing because of it was like, I'm guessing because it's wet, but maybe it's like a silica-based bacteria? I have no idea. But it was very cool. Um, the tour lasted a good 90 minutes, I want to say. Um, I think, it, yeah, it was 90 minutes. Um, and we... Um, my, my, my favorite bit was we reached the end of the cave and the whole cave is basically a bunch of wooden platforms built out. So you're not like clambering over rocks and stuff like that. It's a very easy walk. Like anybody can do it. It's just wooden platforms and stairs basically. Uh, but you reach the end of the cave and then we turn all of the lights off to experience like true darkness. Like the kind of darkness where you, your eyes are open and you're blinking, but it doesn't make a difference between eyes closed and eyes open. It's just that dark. Um, and... The, the tour guide tells a joke, which I thought was hilarious. She goes, um, once all the lights were off, she was like, all right, now it's time to play the game. Guess whose hand that is? Which I thought was fucking hilarious. But my brother and I were like the only ones that laughed. So I hope she keeps telling that joke because it's fucking great. Um, but, you know, cultural differences and stuff like that. We were on that tour with a whole mess of people from all over the world. Um, 
I, I think I detected some French accents, a couple of Icelandic natives, and then some other people who clearly, like, either didn't want to talk or couldn't speak English. It was just, like, a, a fun, eclectic group. And um, basically, my brother and I and uh, the tour were, like, the most... The tour guide were the most talkative because we came from very similar cultures. So, there was that. But, yeah, the, the tour itself was very neat. Uh, for dinner that night, uh, we went to a surf and turf spot. I had um, some lobster bisque soup. And, uh, let's see, my steak was served raw, not medium rare, according to my my little diary here. Um, that was a pretty good day. I very much enjoyed the cave. Uh, it was one of two activities that we spent, like, real money on. Everything else we would, like, pay for parking, but we, we didn't, like, do excursions and stuff like that. But for that day, we did. Uh, let's see here. Um, do-do-do-do-do. Uh, okay, so the next day, we decided to explore more of Western Iceland. So, while this trip took us up and east, this next trip took us up and west. So, same peninsula, we just explored that peninsula a bit more. The first drive took, like, four hours. Uh, we got out to take more pictures of, um, waterfalls, uh, all over the place, which was, um very common like though like you would see them all over the place and it wasn't like you would pull off and hop out take a picture and hop back in and usually when we would hop out it was so windy and the rain was blowing sideways and you always had like a rain jacket with you um or you should i did not have always always have a rain jacket with me but there you go apparently on this day uh we went back into uh Reykjavik for dinner um which we found this seafood place where I had um, the catch of the day uh, and I think it was like smoked arctic char or something like that, which I could have sworn was salmon, but it wasn't. Uh, the catch of the day that day was cod and spotted wolf fish, which uh, is a bottom-dwelling fish, ugly-looking bastard. But the flesh of it was so similar to the cod that... They could have given me two pieces of cod and I never would have known. But you could have put a gun to my head and I would not have been able to tell you which one was which. Like, they... White fish like that tastes like nothing. I don't understand why you even waste your time with it. Um, salmon's where it's at. That's the best of all fish. And I will fight you on that one. But that was also the day where my brother, being the individual he is, um, decided to order the shark and if you don't know the thing about Icelandic shark um, that you'll find on menus number one it's fermented number two it is the Greenland shark which is one of the few animals on this planet that is technically immortal um, or at least incredibly long-lived we've had species like evidence of Greenland sharks being multiple centuries old these guys are big they live in very cold environments, and they live kind of forever. Anyway, they fish them up. And the problem with the Greenland shark is that if you were to just take a bite out of it, like straight out of the water, that thing could probably kill you because it's incredibly toxic. And so in order to mellow out the toxicity of the shark, A, you eat very small amounts of it, and B, they have to bury it underground for four months. Um, and at least for us, we got tiny cubes of shark uh, that were frozen, essentially. So as you would chew it, it would thaw in your mouth and then release its very particular flavor. Some restaurants will have, like, a thing on the menu that's so spicy, there's no flavor in it. It's just pain, right? And other times with exotic ingredients like uni, you experience a flavor sensation you can't get anywhere else that's incredible. I love uni. I've never tasted anything quite like uni. Uni is a luxurious ingredient. Well worth the hype. This shark does not taste good. And that's the end of it. Why do you put so much effort into a food item that does not taste good? I don't understand that. It was like a cube of frozen rotten pea. It's not good. So, I can't really recommend it. 
if you're the you know yourself better than I do. If the idea of trying shark intrigues you, then you're probably gonna get it regardless of what I say. But it's just gonna le- it's just like you'll chew it. Um, um, yep, that's gross. Swallow, and then you're done, and then it's over. So no, I probably wouldn't recommend that. That being said, I only had one piece, and Philip had like five. So he fucking went for it um, on that front. So good for him. Uh, but my food was was very good. Um, and then let's see, there was a stop on this day where there was a like a small volcano on like the side of the road very small like like you could see the top of it very easily um and it was this adorable little volcano and what was nice about it was that there was a staircase that circled the mountain and took you right to the top however fuck that staircase and fuck that volcano because at this point i was exhausted i don't talk about it very often on the podcast but it's become more apparent to me now in like recent days. And I do have a doctor's appointment coming up here pretty soon to get a take to get a look at it. But my right ankle sucks. It's been sprained a couple of times and I roll it far too often because I'm just inherently clumsy. And so a lot of hiking during this Iceland trip was like more than I was willing to do. And I don't really do a lot of hiking because my ankle fucking hurts and it hurts to do hikes. So when I saw this mountain in the sea of staircases, I just kind of glared at my brother and aptly and immediately dubbed this mountain Mount Go Fuck Yourself. Um, however, I did make it to the top of the stairs. And hey, guess what? It's windy up there. Um, but it's... It's just fucking goddamn Mount Go Fuck Yourself. We did some coastal stuff as well. We got some gorgeous pictures of some sea caves. Um, and did some shopping when we were in Reykjavik. Um, I was, I was attempting to buy wool goods for my friends and stuff like that. But when you're spending a bunch of money on like Icelandic wool sweaters, you want to make sure it's something that they will actually want. And so basically what I did is I took a bunch of pictures and I sent them to my my buds and I was like, what styles appeal to you? And then they let me know and I was able to pick up a couple of sweaters. So real quick, here's my advice on the Icelandic wool sweater situation. Number one, don't buy them in Reykjavik. Because the prices there are extravagant. Um, there's a wide variety. Um, hold on. Uh, do, 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 do. Here we go. There's a wide variety of sweaters in Reykjavik. Um, it's primarily sold by a, a company known as Icewear Iceland. Um, and if you were to look it up, you can see their their selection um they i believe i'm I'm checking like right now um yeah you're probably going to have better luck and at a better price buying them online i'm not sure how much shipping is but looking at some of these sweaters and knowing i saw them in iceland like you can get them cheaper online uh there's like some customs fees, which, you know, that's something to be aware of. Um, but if you don't buy them in Reykjavik, then here are my other two suggestions. One, the airport. I'm not kidding. There is a very small selection of them in the airport because the Icelandic airport is not very big. So keep that in mind. You won't get a lot of variety, but the prices I saw in the airport themselves were not that bad. And then finally, Vik, the town of Vik, V-I-K. It's on the southern coast of Iceland. It's a pretty good haul, but there is a massive iceware store out there. It's called the Wool Factory. It's where they make these fucking things. It's basically an outlet for for these things, and there were massive sales going on there. So that's my advice. If you're going to buy wool clothing, socks, hats, gloves, pants, sweaters, blankets, whatever, don't do it in Reykjavik. Do it out in the country. Most of my stuff that I ended up getting came from like the stores next to some of the larger uh, natural places. Like my wool blanket came from the Goldfoss gift shop. So they had a pretty good selection too. Um, but that's, that's my advice. If you go for multiple days, look around and explore. N- no store in Iceland is too far for you not to go back is, is my thing. You know, you're, you're going to be 
chances are you're probably going to be near a big city simply because of like the amenities and the resources big cities provide um but just just hunt around don't buy the first one you see you know you're going to see more of them and you're going to see a lot of different ones and there are a couple of like unique boutique places in Reykjavik that had some truly unique styled Icelandic sweaters like things that I would not consider traditional and those are radical they're expensive but they're very cool and unique so keep your eyes peeled and when in doubt ask what people want give them pictures because these are expensive and if you keep good care of them wool products like that will last forever so just you know you gotta be smart about it um but don't be afraid about buying stuff online either because it's very much there and it's very much available um so there you go that is another two days of iceland in the books in the books they say uh and i think that's good i think uh we'll we'll save some more icelandic stories for the next time in in the podcast um but i think for the sake of this one we're gonna call it a day thank you all very much for listening i hope you enjoyed hearing some more icelandic stories and some other stuff i've been a right busy little bastard um in these last couple of weeks but this weekend i was able to do some self-care stuff and do some grocery shopping and do some tidying it up and i feel really good about that now that i've had like a weekend to basically recover from not only iceland but from pax as well it's been a it's been a long couple of weeks but things are things are pretty good in my neck of the woods and i hope they are good in your neck of the woods as well stay safe keep wearing those masks wash those hands and i will see you all next week for more news and some more icelandic stories have a good one everyone